Hi, Rich. So tonight what we're going to talk about is uh, back to school. Um, usually around this time of year is when first first week of August is when I start seeing in all the uh, the stores and everything, all the back to school sales and everybody getting ready to uh, to get back to school. And uh, of course, this is 2020. So things are a little different. Um, I was reading today um, the article or the report from the CDC about the uh, importance of reopening America's schools this fall. And it's a very interesting piece for any of our listeners who get a chance to uh, take a look at it. But it really was focusing on um, the importance of getting kids back to school for a number of reasons. And due to the COVID-19 and the pandemic, a lot of the schools are either not reopening or going to go to a hybrid system. Some people are forming learning pods in their neighborhood, et cetera. Um, this article did touch on the um, the low risk that children face in schools of getting infected and uh, transmitting it. Um, it also uh, talked about the uh, the mental health aspects of keeping children at home and uh, not reopening the schools and the um, the problems or the issues that children who are kept out of school face in terms of their social and emotional skill development and also how the longer we keep schools closed, the um, the, the more impact it's going to have for children um, educationally as they as they get set back. Um, and then for a lot of kids, it is um, the one time that or not maybe the one time, but that a lot of their nutritional needs are met with uh, with school and their their physical activity needs are met as well. Now, so you read this and it is um, a number of pages of, of footnotes in terms of how well uh, researched it was. Um, this seems to um, point in the direction of school should reopen. Um, but that's not exactly what we're seeing. And particularly where we are in Los Angeles um, today, which is August 3rd, um, there is a tentative agreement between the LA Unified School District and the, the teachers union. Um, it hasn't been finalized and it hasn't been announced, but apparently they're going to go to some sort of hybrid system where the kids only go either to school a couple of days a week or they're staggered and then they do some of the learning um, online. And I really wanted to get your thoughts on this because in this, you, you're the parent, you're the one that's got kids and you've got, if I'm not mistaken, one that's going to go be a senior and the other one is, help me out, fifth or sixth grade? Yeah, fifth grade, correct. Uh, all right. And um, there seems to be a disconnect between what the CDC is saying and what some of the school districts are saying. And I wanted to get your thoughts on what you think is causing the disconnect. Also, since, like I said, you're the parent here, how the kids are feeling about this and what do you think is driving this? And really just to kind of get your opinion on what do you think should happen and um, should your kids go back to school? So. What do you think? Uh, yeah, so I think all things being equal, I would think that everybody would agree that it's best for the children to be uh, back in school uh, full time. Obviously, they learn better that way and it's better for their health. And I could sit here and list a hundred reasons why it's better for the kids to be in school um, learning in person. So the question is, um, 
it appears that the teachers or the teachers through their unions have really dug their heels in and are pretty adamant about not going back to work. And uh, initially they cited uh, uh, it was for the protection of the children. Mm-hmm. But obviously once, you know, the statistics start coming out that it doesn't really affect children and uh, they're less vulnerable, now it's turned into, well, they don't feel safe. So mm-hmm. uh, I'm just on the website here looking at the um, the COVID deaths for California. And mm-hmm. I'm looking at the numbers here. As of today, there are 9,483 deaths. And that's out of a confirmed 521,000 cases. So if you do just basic math, uh, the death rate is 0.018, which would, just to simplify it, if you line up 500 people who have COVID, out of those 500 people, one person dies. So that's where we're at right now. So again, these are, these are, mm-hmm. uh, facts you can get right off the website. So again, mm-hmm. one out of every 500 people die. So, uh, I just what don't. About, what about the people that say that's one death too many? And exactly. Yeah, exactly. And, and you read my mind. That's what we're going. So you know, when you're making public policy, you have to do cost-benefit analysis in every decision. For mm-hmm. example, every year, thirty thirty-nine thousand people die in car deaths. Are we going to outlaw? Are we going to outlaw cars? Obviously not. Um, we could save mil- thousands of lives by lowering the speed limit from sixty-five to thirty-five. Are we going to mm-hmm. do that? Of course not. The economy would come to a screeching halt. So if we're going to to uh, stand by this one death is too many, well, we're going to have to, you know, stop flying around the country. We're going to have to stop doing almost every single activity. So uh, the teachers saying that, that they fear for their lives and they're writing their fake obituaries and, and they're going through this whole show, it, it just doesn't it just doesn't jive with the numbers that are out there again. One out of every 500 people who get COVID will die, and the odds are that that person who dies has some serious underlying conditions. So, Mm -hmm. uh, again, I I just don't understand why the teachers are so adamant about not going back to work when it's clear from the numbers that the the odds of you dying from this particular disease are so low um, that it, it just doesn't make sense that they fear for their lives. Now, if you are in a risk category, if you're over 60, and if you have um, underlying conditions, okay, I understand that. You should take precautions. But the average age of a teen in the United States is 42 years old. So obviously most people are not in that category. Um, so I, I'm thinking it's a little bit more political. Now you might say, well, why is it so, political? Go ahead, I'm so if, I, if, if I'm hearing you correctly – you think that these school closures or this push to have at least some of the uh, school year be online is driven by the teachers union and not necessarily uh, by the parents? Um, am I right? Yeah, yeah, correct. Now, I think they do. And, and, as, and as a parent, I mean, how much, because like I said at the at the beginning of this, I have no experience with this. I don't, I don't have kids, so I'm just kind of going by by what I read, um, as a parent in one of these, you know, California school districts, how much input as a parent are you getting in terms of being heard about whether or not you personally want your kid to go back to school and two, whether or not the kid is actually has any input at all as to whether or not, you know, they, they have a say in it. Do you have any input at all? 
Yeah, now the, the 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 local school boards do have in, they do give parents input. So, for example, um, uh, my kids go to school in South Orange County, uh, Capistrano Valley School District. So the school district did have hearings, open hearings, where parents can go in and base and voice their concerns. However, mm-hmm. all of that was nullified because Gavin Newsom said, "I don't care what you think. I don't care what the parents think. That what's best for the children." He decided for them and decided them. That he was going to close down the schools. So Orange oh, County was one. Yeah, of the, I knew about that. Okay. Yeah, so Orange County was one of the school districts that was going to uh, open up. However, uh, before they made the final decision, Gavin Newsom made the decision for them, citing safety concerns for the children and safety concerns for the teachers. Wow. And do you think that is a a political decision in that well, he, he 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 went into office with. Um, a huge support from the teachers union. And I mean, having lived in California my my whole life, I know that the teachers union here in California is uh, a very strong political entity. So do you think that that's the driving force other than uh, safety? Or do you think that it's a, a hybrid that he's thinking of both and or, or no? OK, well, first, let's let, let, let's hypothetically say you make the argument that it's for the safety of the children. In California, one child under 18 has died since this pandemic broke out. And this actually just happened a few days ago. Now, what's mm-hmm. interesting about the article who, of, the, of the teenager who died, um, you didn't see it in the, in the headline. But if you read it, the story is kind of buried that this person had underlying conditions. And what, they didn't did 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 say what the underlying conditions were. I mean, how serious uh, were they? Uh, of course not. Of course not. Okay. So right away, it's already suspicious. Did this person have cancer? Did they have heart problems? Nobody knows. So in California, children's death as a result of the COVID are virtually zero. So I don't think anybody with a straight face can actually make the the argument that this is for the safety of the children because the numbers bear out that the children are not be, are dying dying of this. Um, so, go ahead, do, you think that, do you think that it, there might be also a concern that the kids go to school and then they come home and possibly transmit it either to parents or in the event that some of the kids live with um, elderly grandparents or elderly uh, relatives. Because um, while I don't have kids, I was a teacher for um, all of a year and a half back in my in my 20s. And so I do remember that kids like to, you know, touch things and not, you know, wash their hands and that sort of thing. And so do you think that there's also a concern that the kids might spread it to to um, to vulnerable populations at home? I mean, would, did that go? Was that ever discussed in the uh, in the in the school board hearings and in the decision by by Newsom at all? Uh, it, it was discussed, but it goes back to the same public policy discussion. I mean, what if we go five years without finding the cure? Are we going to close down the schools for five years because some people in the population may be vulnerable? Every year in the United States, between 39,000 to 80,000 people die of the flu, okay? So it's just uh, an inherent risk of living. Are we going to close down the schools for four months every single year because uh, people might be susceptible of dying for the flu? And not only that, I saw a statistic also saying that every year on average – 400 children die of the flu. So it looks like to me that the flu, the influenza, is a lot more deadly than this to the children. Why has, why have people not been calling for the schools to be shut down for four months? 
um, mm-hmm. for the last 50 years, given the fact that we know that every year hundreds of children die from the mm-hmm. flu. So, you know, it kind of makes me think, well, what's going on here? Okay. And how do the um, how are the kids feeling about it? I mean, your kids, their friends, the the other kids, parents that you know. I mean, are they are they wanting to go back to school, or they're like, no, you know what? I'm gonna I'm gonna hang yeah, out at home. Yeah, I, I, I can just speak for my children, and they're they're dying to go back to school. They're dying to go back to school. My kids are very active. Not only do they have um, obviously just the, their basic school responsibilities, but um, my daughter is involved in extracurricular activities at school. Uh, my oh, son. Oh, senior year, yeah. That's I mean. Correct. There's my a son, lot of senior year. Yeah, yeah. My my son plays uh, soccer full time, and mm-hmm. um, they're depressed. They don't know what to do, and yeah, it's mm-hmm. affecting it's affecting their emotional health. So um, mm-hmm. again, I can only speak for my kids, but I would I would assume that most children would want to go back to school. And just uh, uh, resume their 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 normal lives because again I think it's good for mental health. But you know I wanted to touch on something that you said earlier, and you said, well, do you think it's political? Uh, do you think that there's something going on? And I want to read an article here that I was reading a couple of days ago regarding some demands that the Los Angeles Teachers Union made uh, a few days ago. And I'm going to go over the demands with you, and you tell me if you think that this is political. So these are the demands that the union is is making before they they are going to agree to return back to school. Okay. So the first first thing they want to do is they want a moratorium on uh, private schools. So I guess they want to ban private schools. (laughs) I'm not not sure what that has to do with the safety of the teachers or the children. But maybe <laughs> what do they mean by moratorium? They don't want any more private schools opening, or they don't want the public schools going back to school. Uh, I, I I can't tell from that, but it looks like they don't want people, they don't want children to be able to transfer to private schools. That's what it looks like. Now I don't understand why. <laughs> hey, hey, I was I was a I was a Catholic school kid. It ain't you know. It's um, yeah, I'm not a bad. I'm just, I'm just getting started. Okay, so okay, yeah. okay. The other demand they're making is they demand that we defund the police. <laughs> because right, nothing screams school safety like defunding the police, right? Okay. Here's another uh-huh. here's another demand they want they're making before they return back to school. They want to increase taxes on the wealthy. Uh, okay. okay. I'm, I'm not done. They want to implement. Medicare for all. Uh, Are you sure this is a teacher's union or was this Bernie's campaign, uh, Bernie Sanders' campaign meeting? No, 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 this is for the teacher's union. This is the teacher's union. No, 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 yeah, yeah. And let's see here. Um, uh, They want funding for something that's called the HEROES Act. That's basically given like um, um, additional bonus for the teachers. I think if they're mm-hmm. going back to work. So, I mean, that, that, that would make sense. But, I mean, if you look at that, um, um, it, it, it really makes you think. I mean, really, is this? Is I mean, the only one that you've mentioned that would have anything remotely to to do with the um, going back to work during during a pandemic would be number five, which is basically, it sounds to me like it's some form of essentially hazard pay for, okay. for right. going yeah. And you know, if they can make the case that they are in a uh, a riskier situation, that they would be 
as opposed to, you know, a normal school year where, like we said, there's a lot of germs and all sorts of other diseases going on in, uh, in the uh, public school system, then, you know, perhaps that may um, be relevant. But the other ones just, you know, they're screaming um, political. Yeah. And, and you know, they really don't have anything to do specifically with COVID. They have to do with a political position. And, you know, it's America. You can have whatever political um, position you want. But when you're using it as an excuse, essentially, to um, go contrary to what the CDC says, I mean, this isn't um, some sort of, you know, Republican right wing position. This is the CDC. So they're going to have to make the case, I think, to people like you who have kids that are school age. Okay, so I'm supposed to keep my kids at home, contrary to what the CDC is saying, because yeah, yeah. So I, 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 I fully, fully think that um, just based on that, it's uh, it's political. Uh, but I mean, where do we go from here? Because regardless of what you think, what other parents think. Newsom and other governors are overriding this and they're saying you're either having a hybrid system or um, you're just not going to to open up the schools in the fall. So let's talk about the logistics of it. Um, most of my friends who have school age kids work. And as we both know from driving home from work today, most people are going back to work. So how does this work in a one parent family, two parent family where the kids are not going to be going somewhere full time or they're going to have these staggered schedules? How do logistically people um, navigate that? And one of the things that, you know, the, the CDC article pointed out and one of the things that I am noticing is that for all the um some of the the more liberal governors and the teachers union and so on um, are stating that they are trying to protect, you know, vulnerable communities, minority communities. These policies are disproportionately affecting those communities in that when you are saying you're going to learn online, perhaps, you know, the there are certain uh, communities that do not have either the funds or the resources to to implement that the same way others do. And so isn't all these all these policies, all these liberal policies in the end, just very counterproductive to what they're saying is, which is to protect children and protect minority children? Uh, yeah. So obviously the people that are going to be disproportionately affected are the lower income families. Uh, obviously, mm -hmm. lower-income families usually need two incomes to be able to to survive and pay the bills. So now, right. if children are in in California, correct. And if you have if you have to have a parent stay at home and watch the children, well, automatically you you're losing fifty percent of your income right there. And then you mm -hmm. add to that that several of these families who work usually the lower-income family work in the service industry. You, you add to that the fact that they've already been unemployed for months and months or probably several months uh, behind on their rent, car mm -hmm. payments and all that, uh, all that sort of stuff. And now you're telling them they can't even go back to work even if they wanted to because um, one of the members of the family is going to have to stay home and, watch and take care of the kids. It's going to obviously financially uh, destroy the family. So, again, these, these policies are disproportionately going to affect the, the, the lower income people. The, the higher income people, 
Yeah, they'll be fine. They'll, they'll, they'll find a way to. to yeah, they're, they're forming, from what I understand, they're forming learning pods. Yeah. Um, I love what those are today. And so it, yeah. Um, yeah. I, I also think that, you know, there may be families that don't have that option where, you know, one of them stays at home and you're going to wind up with kids unsupervised, uh, teenagers roaming around unsupervised. And I think we know how that ends. Not good. Yeah, correct. And not to mention the fact that, you know, these lower income families, what are the odds that they're going to have a Wi-Fi and a laptop available um, to to be able to go online? Some might not. I mean, I think that it varies from family to family, um, from community to community. And so I think that that's also an issue, making these blanket um, policies um, for all of the uh, millions of, of kids that are in these school districts without any sort of um, implementation um, um, procedures is, yeah. it's, it's, I mean, it's disastrous. Yeah, and, and the, the problem with this kind of public policy discussion, especially when it comes to COVID, it's almost like you can't even have a rational discussion. And just for my yeah. Experience, yeah. with somebody from the left, because as soon as you start uh, um, citing these, these concerns and these stats, uh, then all of a sudden you're a COVID denier. All of a sudden you think mm-hmm. that COVID is a hoax. However, it have to be made in you know in in a rational way. And when you've got the CDC saying one thing, and you've got also the rest of the world where kids are schools have reopened, and then you have these different policies state by state, and it seems to be when you're looking at the map, it seems to be the liberal states and the liberal, you know, big cities that are saying, no, we're not reopening. And that, then you start to, you know, wonder, okay, what's going on here? But you can't, like you said, you can't have this discussion because if you do, then you're, you know, right wing and crazy. That's it. You know, that's the end of the discussion. Correct. And you know, anybody, anybody with any common sense knows that this is extremely, extremely contagious disease. Okay. That's the first thing. Secondly, yep. Uh, people are people again with common sense know that oh, this is also a deadly disease. So nobody with any common sense is denying that. What we're saying is just look at the statistics. Right now, like I mentioned, if uh, 500 people get COVID, one person will die, and that one person is going to have some most likely serious, serious underlying conditions. Mm-hmm. So if you look yeah, at that, then it just, I, can, I, just, I just do not buy the argument that this is for the safety of the children and this is for the safety of the, um, the teachers. Because, again, the numbers clearly don't bear that out. And like we just discussed, if we're going to stick to the one life is too many, well, then we better just – we just better – we better hurry up. We better just cancel everything, cars, flights, walking in the street, mm-hmm. leaving the house because mm-hmm. – Living is just a risk. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, I do hope that there is some sort of resolution to this soon. And I do hope that, you know, based on our discussion today um, and what I know now about it that I didn't know before, I hope your kids get to go back to school in a few weeks. Yeah, I do, too. And hopefully they can come up with some kind of um, um, some kind of agreement between the teachers and the uh, the parents to because again, like we said, I think we all agree that it's better for the for the children to be back at school. But it seems right now that the position that the left is taking, just by their actions, they're going to want to wait till there's a vaccine and there's zero deaths. 
from this COVID, which obviously could be years and years. So obviously, if they're going to dig their heels and take that stand, um, it's going to it's going to be a public policy nightmare. Well, let's uh, let's wait and see, and let's hope for the best. Okay, sounds good, Angela. We'll talk to you next time. All right. All right. Thanks, Rich. Bye. Bye. Okay. Uh, okay, so don't hang up. Uh, so let's speak All right. All right. Thanks, Rich. Bye. Bye. Okay. Uh, okay, so don't.